Hello and welcome to Radio Maria. This is Questions of Faith, a program in which you are encouraged to call in and ask a question. Today I'll be facilitating Tim, that's me, and I have a new person on Questions of Faith, Father Brendan Siri. Hello, Father Brendan. Hey, how are you doing? Great to be here as always. Yes, lovely to have you. And we also have our priest director, Father Toby. Hello, Father Toby. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Father Brendan. Good morning to our listeners. Now, as we usually do, we're going to start with a prayer. But say in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of faith, the gift of that call to be in relationship with you. And we pray that in our journeys of faith, we can continue to, to grow in our love of you and to grow in our love for our brothers and sisters. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. That was nice. A, a bit of a tag team praying there, apart from the fact that we, <laughs> we lost um, Father Brendan. But thank you for, for picking that up. Um, it seems like Father Brendan is back. So sorry, it's my, my, my intent in this house is important. I do apologize. I do apologize. That was mid-prayer as well. I do apologize. I, I finished the prayer for you. Thank God. Thank right. God. The, the, right. the, the, the fraternity of priesthood. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry. All right. So um, we have a number of questions that have been sent in. So um, <coughs> I'm going to, to play one of them. Here is a question from Raj. Uh, good morning, Father Toby. Good morning, Father Brendan. Uh, good morning, Tim. This is Raj. As per Ten Commandments, Saturday is the holy day, and we were celebrating Mass on Saturday until AD 325. It was changed to Sunday by Roman Emperor Constantine and the Catholic Church. Why it was changed from Saturday to Sunday? Thank you. Right, so you, I imagine you both could hear that question. Yeah, perfectly. Yes. Yeah. Great. Okay. Um, Father Brennan, would you like to give that a go? Yeah, good. I think um, you know it's, it's one of those really interesting things about um, and and quite a lot of people have questions. You know, we refer to the Sabbath day, the day of rest. Um, you know, with our Jewish brothers and sisters, it, it tends to be um, the Saturday is is the Sabbath. Um, but for us Christians, followers of Jesus, it, it's Sunday. And so I suppose the question naturally arises as to, to, to why is it Sunday? Why was the Sabbath day essentially moved from Saturday to Sunday? And I think one of the reasons, um, I'm sure Father Toby will correct me since he's far more wise than I am, but I, I believe one of the reasons, <laughs> one of the reasons is because the Sunday is is seen as the as as the new day, the day of the resurrection, the day in which we celebrate with hope and with joy that promise of eternal life with Christ, and and it's it's actually also known as the kind of the eighth day, like all preparing for the eighth day, the the, the eternity. So, so our Sabbath day, our day of rest, our day of of uh, spending time in a, in a more intentional way with the Lord is is for us on Sunday because it's a day we remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that's why for us, unlike our Jewish brothers and sisters, that's why Sunday is is, is our Sabbath day. So it it wasn't moved in in the sense of like oh kind of um, kind of like a power play, but rather it was it was seen as Sunday because it's a day in which we remember Jesus rising from the dead. Now perhaps uh, probably uh, Father Toby has a far more theological and and historically. Uh, um, accurate uh, reason but <laughs> no no i um i thoroughly agree with that so you know the, the sabbath is is the day of rest at mm -hmm. the sort of at the end of yep. creation and the and the lord's day as uh as sort of you know sunday um becomes known at, at a very early stage 
is yeah. is the day of is the day of the the new creation. Yeah. Um. And I'd I'd suggest always being wary when you read something that says, um, Constantine sort of introduced yeah. or Charlemagne <laughs> introduced. Then there's a very good chance that you're reading sort of Protestant propaganda. Um. Because a, a sort of a common theme of some Protestant propaganda is to, is to try and say, look, you know, here here was the the early church in a certain way, and then political power, the emperor got involved, and this is why sort of you know Catholicism has has gone gone astray, and why sort of you know we're right in breaking away from the the church. But you can see even in the in in the scriptures, we we see evidence of this christian change of uh worship so say for example in acts 27 um on uh, paul's farewell visit to to Troas, um it says on the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread now the jews clearly understood the sabbath as being the last day of the week um let's give you another example so in uh 1 corinthians 16 2 on the first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that contributions need not be made when I come. There's a right, right from the beginning, there's a, whilst there's some retention of, uh, of Jewish identity, there's a, a recognition that, that something new is happening in the celebration of the mass. Um, and the, the fathers had an understanding that sort of with the commandments, um, in a certain sense that uh just as some of the sort of uh, ceremonial law of the of the jews uh fell fell away that um that the sort of the the commandment to sort of keep the the sabbath holy as uh, the sabbath observed by the jews had fallen away and i think um it's a quote from augustine somewhere he says well now i should like to be told um, what there is in these Ten Commandments, except the observance of the Sabbath, which ought not to be kept by a Christian. Um, and then you can go back sort of much earlier than uh, than Augustine to say the, the the Didache, which is almost the 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 sort of work which describes the the early church, which is almost follows on immediately after in date and it in its writing to the uh, the Acts of the Apostles, written around um, AD seventy. But every Lord's Day gather yourselves together and break bread and give thanksgiving after having confessed your transgressions that your sacrifice may be pure. Um, there's this right from the beginning, there's this early understanding that the Lord's day, the day of the new creation is something different to the Sabbath. Just to cover that, the thing that Raj mentioned about Constantine changing it. And I agree with what you say, Father Toby, of how it's whenever you hear that buzzword Constantine did this one needs to be be wary um, he actually just made it a he, he enshrined it into civil law so he wasn't changing um, what the church did he was he was causing the civil law to follow what the church was already doing um, and so the, the the quote is on the venerable day of the sun let the magistrates and people residing in cities rest and let all workshops be closed so there's no um that that was and that was just to follow a practice that was already present in the church at the time yeah and what one final thing i should say is that sort of in the in the christian understanding there's this idea not just of 
not really of Sunday actually of, as the seventh day of the week, but actually as, as Sunday, the day of the new creation. So almost like the, the eighth day of the week. Um, that's not too sort of hard to keep in mind. And that's actually why it's number eight becomes sort of quite important um, in Christian symbolism. Well, great answer. Um, we're going to go to our first piece of music. This is called Sunday Best by Surfaces. And when we get back, we'll be answering more questions than keep your things inside your ears just like the waves and sound it and just say whatever cause there is no way you're grounded everyone falls down sometimes but you just gotta know it'll all be fine it's okay Sunshine on my Sunday best. Hey, feeling good, like I should. When in the walk around the neighborhood, feeling blessed, never stressed. Got that sunshine on my Sunday best. You're listening to Questions of Faith on Radio Maria. That was Sunday Best by Surfaces. We have our priest director, Father Toby, and Father Brendan Siri. A question that has been sent to us last week, we took a stab at it, and we're going to do so again, um, was from Antonia. She says, why does the devil have such power? Why didn't God just crush him completely in the fight with the angels? Why was he not completely destroyed so that he could not exacerbate human sin as much as he does? And then she uses the analogy of the Lord of the Rings, where the ring is, um, uh, where the, the finger of Sauron is cut off, as opposed to later when the ring is destroyed. And she says, surely it would have been better for God to do something like the latter example of completely destroying the ring. She goes on to explain uh, the the connection between these two things, talking about the the battle in heaven with St. Michael and the archangels. Um and Satan being present in the Garden of Eden, why does he have to be there? And then a sentence, which I'm just going to pull out, which I think is quite important. She says, it seems that we would have still had free will to sin and fall with or without him, meaning the devil, but that having him exacerbates that. So I think um, that's quite a good point. And she sort of, you know, put her finger on it on a difficulty there. It's like, okay, we've got we've got free will. We can choose to sin, but then we also have this additional difficulty of the devil. Um, and why would God allow that? Now, I I asked Father Brendan to to start with the the last one. I'm going to ask Father Toby to start with this one. <laughs> I think a good place to uh, start with this question is by saying the short answer to it is. I don't know. Um, and then the the next stage I think is to uh, read from the the, the, book, the book of Job um, with Job's uh, sort of quite questioning quite and quite legitimately about about all the evil that he's suffering and God's response. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. 
Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstones? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Um, one of our, our problems in life and one of our, our frustrations is, is our limited uh, perspective. Um, but it's the, it's the understanding of the church that any evil that God um, permits is for the for the sake of some greater good, for the sake of some greater um, glory. And uh, and Antonia in her, her, her phrasing of the question is is very sort of astute in in pointing out that the the devil exacerbates um, our propensity to to sin. Um, that he's not the the sole sort of cause of our of our sin. So as I was thinking about this uh, a little bit last night, I was thinking that by the same criteria that we would sort of want God to uh, destroy the the devil immediately as he as he as he sins and begins to lead others into into sin, um, then in a certain sense, should I desire that God destroy me? the the moment um that i started to be an occasion of a of another's sin now there's there's a difference between the, sort of you know the the human person who is it has a fluctuating will and the angels who have a have a settled will the idea that that are, you know are, are in the moment after being created they make a choice for or against god but still i think it it in that, I think I think there's there's something in what I was thinking on them, but I haven't sort of fully sort of developed it in in my thoughts. But the the problem of 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 freedom and the and and the glory of of love in the in the face of of sin are uh, are pretty wrapped up, I think. And just to sort of Antonia quotes um, or cites the the Lord of the Rings in in her example, I think we we see. The, the sort of the greatness of this epic that uh, Frodo and Sam have to have to struggle for for so long whilst carrying an an occasion of sin that it that it makes their their victory even greater um and and I think ultimately that's where I'd go with the the answer that are that are being God God does not desire to destroy anything that he has he has created because anything created retains a certain goodness by the by the very fact of it of its being that being is is good um so god does not want to destroy his creation and also that god permits the the greater glory of our yes to christ of our of our struggle with our our own crosses for the for the sake of for the sake of of christ um and uh, and that our, our glory in 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 heaven um will increase god's glory yet more because of the the greater temptation that we suffered in this life yeah i think um uh, father david rather succinctly um response that question and i think you know just in um i i remember reading um the life of christ by uh, the venerable fulton sheen and and he was he was commenting that one of the um, a potential stumbling block for a believer is the is the presence of the devil. You know why does why does God permit him to exist, right? And I think, Father, you said it rather beautifully. Then, 
God is is creator, right? And I think He is creator because He is He is love itself, and love is true love. Perfect love is creative, not destructive. So God doesn't desire the destruction of anything, but rather the the, the creation of things. And um, so, so I think for us to to kind of put it into that context as well. And I also remember um, again, kind of looking at that kind of the imagery of of Lord of the Rings and 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 Frodo and and so on. Um, I remember Joseph Pierce, who's a sort of um, a Tolkien expert, was was actually suggesting that the moment that the ring is destroyed in in is it Mordor? Like, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, I think it was Mordor, right? Um, he, so uh, for Pierce, he suggests that Tolkien put it in because, of course, there's lots of um, like kind of Christian kind of messaging in, in in the Lord of the Rings, of course. And then he was suggesting that you know the destruction of the ring was um, God um, is, 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 re- is referencing the the incarnation, God becoming one of us, and by by doing that, destroying that, that once and for all that kind of power of, of 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 evil and death by by bringing us eternal life by by ultimately dying on the cross. Um, Thirty-three years later, essentially, but that incarnation. So it's kind of alluding to that. So I think, um, yeah, I think you're right. Like I, I, I think it is difficult, and I think it's it's good for us sometimes to say, actually, we don't know the answer to to, to those questions. And um, but at the same time, you know, what the church teaches us is that you know God is creative because He is love, um, and part of that victory over sin and death was was the incarnation. Um, and, and then ultimately dying on the cross for us in order to bring us back home, to bring to strengthen us by the grace of the sacraments in the church in, in the meantime as well. Thank you both for what is, I think, a really wonderful answer. I realized that there's a part of Antonia's question that I didn't um, get to as I'm trying to summarize a conversation that we had via email. And um, it goes on to say, after saying it's when she said, it seems that we would still have free will to sin and fall with or without him being the devil, she says, um, there seems to be no necessity for him to be that way. Just because God is all good, it does not necessitate one to be all evil. And again, I think there's an insight here, and I was wondering if if we could comment on that. Yeah, there's, there's sort of there's a really rich theology in sort of Antonius. Um, question which shows a, a really sort of profound understanding because um she sort of in, in her in her question says that it's really important that we don't get into a sort of a manichaean um mindset which is which is what augustine uh used to used to be it's what sort of lies behind the the cathar heresy which is that there there are sort of two equal and opposite forces in the in the world one 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 all good and one all evil the de- the devil is not all evil um the devil's will is sort of hell-bent on on evil but by virtue of existence the the devil is not all evil um because the the devil has existence and is a is a creation of, of god and the and the and the devil has a has a has a limited um a limited power um it's, it's suggested by some that 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 recognition of the limitation of of his power in respect to god is is part of the the desire to 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 assert god and which leads to the to the fall of the devil but the devil is not a, not an equal and opposite force and that and there isn't a need um also as sort of antonia gets that there is there is not a, a need for sin in order for there to to be to be to be good 
Sorry, I just have a caller on the line and I um I want to to get to her question. So uh, I didn't hear the last thing you said, Father Toby, but you suddenly went silent. Well, that's uh, because I felt I finished on a on a profound on a profound profound note. It's very as, profound. as opposed to as opposed to suddenly ran out of words. Uh, yeah. Um Shall we go to another piece of music? I've got uh, a really lovely piece called Love's Redeeming Work. And I think that this is a good uh, a good thing for us to listen to because um, it is because of our sin and because of the evil in the world that, that we know Christ to be a redeemer. And um, had that not happened, we would not know him in that way. That's my little bit. And we're listening to Questions of Faith on Radio Maria. Love's Redeeming Work by High Street Hymns. You're listening to Questions of Faith on Radio Maria. The number is 01223-375-564 if you'd like to call in and ask a question. We had a caller call in who'd like to remain anonymous, and she has a really wonderful uh, comment slash question to follow on from the previous discussion that we were having just before that song. She said, and she happened to be doing some... uh, Coloring in, she said, while she was listening to us. Vincent van Gogh said that you do not know what yellow is until you see it next to blue. Is that what it is like with God? You don't know how good God is until you see evil as well. Um, I would, I, I, I would say no, actually. Um, I think... I think sometimes it, it it can there's there's definitely something in in the contrast, um, but we we don't want to slip into this idea that good um, relies upon evil um, for for it for its goodness. Now evil is is derivative upon upon good. Um, because evil is is the is the absence of of the good. Um, but sort of, uh, but but still requires some. It's it's an it's an it's a, it's a lack. But there still has to be something before there can be a lack. Um, whereas there does not need to be a lack in order for there to be for, in order for there to be something. Um, hopefully that makes sense. But the kind of the difference between <laughs> um, between good, good and evil is is made is made more. Uh, what. Well, Sort of good can be made more stark by the presence of evil, but we can also see how that's not always the case in in the way that we sort of you know trick ourselves into into thinking that what is evil is is in, is in fact really really good. So the difference isn't always as as stark as we as we might imagine, which is why people sort of get themselves into sort of moral tangles whereby they sort of can 
condemn the behavior of somebody else as sort of definitively and and unquestionably um, wrong, but then start to justify themselves in their own evil doing, um, thinking that it is in fact good. What I found interesting about that analogy is that it's using two things that are um, morally neutral. So you have blue and yellow. And I think that that's where the analogy is, you know, it, it reveals something about about the analogy that it, it doesn't correspond completely to to this case. And I think that you could say that uh, different aspects of, or maybe you can you can tell me if you agree with me or not, either of you, the um, different aspects of, of God's goodness uh, can be seen against each other, not, you know, not in the, like against as in, in opposition to each other, but um, is that, is that perhaps a, uh, another way of using that analogy? Yeah, I think as um, uh, Father Toby like suggested, I think I, I suppose um, the analogy is is good in as far as 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 it kind of says that okay, we you know goodness is more obvious when when seen in context um, to, to, to evil, right? But I, again, as Father Toby touched on, that that's okay in kind of very clear cut or seemingly clear cut examples of that, where there's obviously there's evil and then obviously good, fine. But uh, for a lot of us, like the kind of that that line is, can be can be difficult to kind of um, interpret uh, properly. And that's why, exactly, that's why we tend to um, end up in, in moral dilemmas, because we kind of, uh, we're, we're unsure of where the kind of, the, the, so sometimes whether that good or evil is, because it's not maybe as, as as obvious, you know, like, you know, war or peace, like that's obviously, like obvious one's good, one's bad, right? But like, mm-hmm. so, like most of the time it's kind of, it's, it's kind of more, more nuanced perhaps. So, so, so I suppose mm-hmm. it's, it's helpful in that sense, but I, but I think, as, as as Father Toby said, I suppose it's not it's 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 not a brilliant kind of metaphor um, in 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 the entirety of of, of God and, and good and evil. Yeah. So I think we can we can say that um, does the does the cross make God's love for us more apparent? Yes. Mm, um, sure. de- def- definitely like the 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 the, lo- the love the love of god is more sort of viscerally um made manifest to us by by the cross than than the way we experience it by the simple fact of our being and yet the simple fact of our being is 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 is, is an ongoing result of uh, of god's continuing Yep. love for us but in the face of that ultimate evil which is is the the killing of god we see more profoundly the the the, the goodness and and the love of god so the analogy works in in that perspective um but it fails in the perspective that um that that the cross was not necessary for the love of god to be manifest yep. and that's the nature with any 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 analogy um, that we make this isn't a criticism of, of whoever uh, made the comment with Van Gogh. Any analogy that we make always has some element in which it falls short. Um, the, the the test of a good analogy is whether it sort of draws draws out sort of it helps us into a into a full into a fuller understanding. But it always in a in a, in a by the very nature of being an analogy, has has some element in which it, it, mm. it falls short, and so we just have to keep both those things in, in mind. But analogies are incredibly useful for, for, for us in in coming to a greater knowledge of of God and His will. Yeah. 
So we're going to add something onto this question, maybe another layer, maybe make it a little bit more um, uh, practical, more current and, and not necessarily easier to answer. But I think it's it's worth um, looking at this. So this is a, a voice note that's that's been sent in and I want to thank the um, listener who did so. Uh, I attended um, through online one of my friends asked me the one doing this, uh, uh, what they call this one, rally in London, that pro-Palestine. And they asked me a question that I really, it's very hard for me to answer. They asked me why God is letting this war happening right now. And uh, if I, they said to me, look on the babies that died during the war and how many people died, both sides, Israel and Hamas and Palestinians, and why God are allowing these things happen now. So it's very hard for me to answer this question. I'm a very devoted Catholic. My faith is very strong. But answering this question is so hard to explain to them why it's happening. Yeah, there it is. I think I think again we go back to the the, the book of Job um, as I questioned there and then and the problem of our perspective um, and we we experience any 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 loss of of life in this world you know even the the death of a of, of a relative who say had reached a hundred hundred and four we, we still experience that as 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 incredibly sad um but we know as christians that that this life is not all 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 that there is so that immediately sort of in any experience of sorrow in this life we have to try and bring the the eternal um perspective into it and there's the there's there's the question for us now there there are horrendous evils going on um in the in the middle east right now um but there are also horrendous evils going on all all around the world right now there are horrendous evils occurring in our in our country right now um where where do we draw the line between sort of you know the the le- the level of evil that we're okay for for god to um permit and and where god is supposed to just um automatically put a put a stop to it to it and and where does that leave leave us in our in our freedom to 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 love freely in a in a in a in a fallen in a fallen world um is that gen- generally uh, just just as it, as it is with taxation um that uh, taxes taxes should be raised for everybody who's earning one pound more than i earn um, I can. Uh, it, it, it's it's often the case that sort of God God should instantly put a stop to every evil that is one gradation more evil than the sins that I commit. Yeah, and I think uh, Father, you touched on it. There was you know that the whole the whole realm of freedom, um, and you know for us to to be able to love God, we have to be free to either 
to choose to love him or, or not. And I, I certainly, you know, in, in the in the question proposed, you know, about the, the horrendous evils going on in our world, I mean, the, there are several layers. You are right. Um, that's why I did laugh when you said about everyone should be taxed more who earns one pound more than me, essentially, because, of course, we kind of look outwards, don't we, all the time. It's like, well, what about them or what about whoever? And um, rather than ourselves and perhaps what what we're doing. Um, but, but I think also kind of just saying, well, you, you know, th those those evils certainly, you know, what what helps me in my own spiritual life is, is recognizing that evil exists when people choose not to love God. Um, because failing to love God is failing then to love our brothers and sisters. And then we end up committing or potentially committing atrocities that we see in certain parts of the world um, to, to, to different degrees, of course. You know, we have the horrendous wars in, in the Middle East um, and, and also in, in, in Ukraine and, and Russia. But there are also other ways in which we would we would not love our brothers and sisters, even in seemingly, at least for us, insignificant ways. But each of those is is an act of freedom and not choosing to love God. And I think that's that's certainly how I would 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 see the, the kind of that kind of problem of evil, um, so to speak, and, and that kind of that ability to 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 have the freedom to love God also means we have that freedom not to love Him as well, right? Mm. But uh, the, the sort of it's that the um the exercise of or the or the proper exercise of my freedom is yeah. uh, is is choosing to love God and, and when yes. when I don't love God um then it's a it's a limitation on my freedom uh, because if loving God is, is is what is truly good for me nobody nobody chooses to to do that which is sort of harmful for themselves like we mm. get back to sort of um you know you can get get back into uh sort of socrates the idea that sort of every every evil done is done, done out of a certain lack of knowledge it's true, true to an extent, but what, what, whatever wrong that we do, we there's always some good that we're that we're aiming at, um, and so when we when we when we sin, it's because of a sort of a certain sort of failure in, in sort of moral calculation and recognizing actually what is the the true good in in this situation or or a, or or an inability to be able to do what I know is truly good. And so, in either of those cases, when I when I don't see the true picture, or when I when I'm unable to act in the way which I know is truly good, then that's a that's a lack of freedom rather than exercise of of my freedom. Mm. But for us to choose to love God does require for us to to be to be free. Yeah, and I think Father just. Um... Yeah, it was the whole idea of kind of like it's missing the mark. I remember actually uh, my moral theology uh, teacher in the seminary, um, a fellow Dominican, of course, um, suggested that um, all of us, like all of us, are aiming, because you know uh, our hearts desire to do good, right? Everyone desires to do good, so we aim for good. But you know, sin is when we miss the mark. Um, so obviously, all of us are striving to, to for God, um, which is, as you say, is the true exercise of freedom. Um, but sin is when we fail to to, to hit that mark. You know. Great. Who who is your teacher? So I can commend him for you being so good. Oh, thank you. Um, do you know what? To my shame, because I knew you were going to ask that question. Um, is a father? Is 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 a father? Father Leon? No. Father Leon Pereira. Could be. Oh my gosh! Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, yeah. he is now uh, English speaking chaplain out in Medjugorje. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. He, he, he was excellent. I mean, yeah. I I probably paraphrased him very poorly. Um, so please, please, I apologize to him in advance. Well, now even. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
Are you listening, Father Leon? If not, why not? I'll <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, you two. This, we're coming up to the hour, and uh, it's been wonderful having you, Father Brendan, on Questions of Faith. We'd love to have you on again. And, um, I'd love to go back. I wonder if you would close with the prayer for us, please. Yes, I think first I'll be praying that my internet connection lasts, hopefully, <laughs> God willing. So, so Father Tim, hopefully, say in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you as always for the gift of being in a relationship with you, the gift of faith and the gift of love. And we pray that through your grace, we may grow in holiness and strive towards sainthood as we come to know your face and become the saints who will transform the world and be with you forever. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.